Welcome, you are listening to Unlocking the Truth, the podcast channel by Precept Ministries Canada. Come discover God's truth for yourself by studying His Word and deepen a personal transformational relationship with God. This series called In Faith Alone will get you deep into the Book of Romans. Dig deeper by following along with the Bible study, Experiencing the Power of Life-Changing Faith, the new inductive study series on Romans, available at preceptministries.ca. Now here is Mark Sheldrake with Unlocking the Truth. Hello everyone, it's Mark Sheldrake here, another episode of Unlocking the Truth podcast. Thank you for tuning in with us. This is a ministry of Precept Ministries in Canada. And uh, if you've joined us on our website or SoundCloud or Spotify, Apple, iTunes, however you get your podcasts, thank you for your commitment to supporting uh, this ministry. Thank you for uh, listening and thank you for the feedback that we continue to get uh, from those who are, are listening uh, on a regular basis. Folks, we have some great things coming up in the ministry. I are all going to have a Greece tour, a Footsteps of Paul tour, coming in September 2024. So you can check out our website for all the details on tours if you want to walk in the places that Paul and John, where John wrote the book of Revelation, you can uh, join us on those trips. Great opportunities to do a study tour. And what I love is way more, way more than sightseeing tours. They are study tours. We teach the Word of God. We study the Word of God together. And uh, what a great opportunity it is to be immersed in Scripture on the locations that uh, the Apostle Paul and John were. So, again, the website. Find out more information there. Folks, also, if you could uh, continue to pray for the ministry this time of year, this is a the time of year when we see the majority of our giving come in uh, for the ministry and to continue the ministry to grow in the new year. And if you uh, feel compelled or um, challenged by what we've been learning in these podcasts, uh, would call you to go over to our website, click on the donate button and make a donation to Precept Ministries so we can continue to do uh, great work in Canada and uh, if you are around the world, you can donate to your country's ministry as well by visiting uh, their website of Precept by searching on Google. Folks, so this is it. This is the final episode in the uh, series on Romans. Let's pray. Let's commit our time together. And then we'll uh, dig in to the final episode. Father, we do thank you for this time that you have given us this opportunity to have uh, to go through the book of Romans to to do an overview and, and just to see how wonderful this book is and father I do believe that every Christian should study this book for themselves it's foundational it's teaching us great doctrine but it's also showing us how to live out the doctrine and so father I pray that as we look at this final chapter and do some review of what we've learned, through this entire book of Romans, that you would work in the hearts of those listening, that you continue to challenge them, continue to grow them, uh, to become more like you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. I mean, I can't believe it, folks. This is the 16th episode, and I mean, we took a break over the summertime, and then we came back, and we we did uh, segment three, and now we're in segment four. And uh, I think it's a good opportunity to just pause and reflect and and review what we have learned through this book. And so we'll start at the beginning. Paul, 
uh, the apostle, a minister to the Gentiles, and he uh, writes to this church in Rome because um, he has yet to come and visit them. Why? Because Paul had a desire to take the gospel to places it had never been before. And so uh, he had a desire to go to Rome multiple times, and uh, but he didn't get there. And even in this letter, he still desires to get to Rome and not only uh, build them up and encourage them, but be encouraged by them, and then to attain more fruit for the kingdom of God. Paul wants to continue to preach the gospel among the church. Uh, there's two groups of people in this church. There's the Jew and the Gentile, and they seem, according to chapter 16, which we're going to look at again today, that there are a couple of uh, difficulties in there uh, surrounding the fact that uh, some of the people in the church are still holding to the law, and others believe that uh, sinning can continue in, in abundance because God and His grace looks better all the time. And so Paul really is writing this doctrine uh, for a couple reasons. One, he wants us to to know that uh, everyone in the world is without excuse, that God has made Himself known from the very beginning, that even Gentiles in their conscience, if they'd never heard about God, they know the difference between good and bad. And that the Jews, they should know uh, who God is because he's made himself evident since the very beginning of creation. Psalm 19 talks about how he, uh, God spoke creation into existence. And so everybody is without excuse when it comes to the knowledge of God. And it comes to the knowledge that God hates sin. But we also know that we are all sinners and we all fall short of the glory of God. Why is that? Because Paul tells us in Romans chapter 5 that Adam, when he uh, took of the fruit, he is the originator of sin. And through one man, sin was then in, given to all. We, were, we live with inherited sin. And so we come with a debt already on our lives, and because we are at enmity with God, we need a Savior. And that's what Paul talks about, the importance of Jesus as a Savior. He's the free gift. He's the one who shed his blood on the cross so that we could live. And Paul says, even to the Jews in chapter 9, that all you need to do is you need to confess with your mouth and believe with your heart that Jesus is Lord. It is to recognize the fact that the power of God for salvation is in the gospel. It's not in the words that we share, but it's all in the work that was done on the cross. And Paul says it's simply that if we want to be saved from the wrath of God, we just have to believe that there is no works that we can do to produce salvation. There's nothing we can do. There's no holding to the law that we can do to produce a position of salvation or being saved from the wrath of God apart from the blood of Jesus Christ. We also saw that Paul's heart and his desire was that he grieved over the Jewish people because the very fact that they were pursuing righteousness by trying to attain the law. And his great desire for them was that they would be saved by faith. And he calls them to be saved. He shows them that Israel, he shows the recipients that Israel uh, had a past, that they have a present, and they do have a future. And it's a great future if they profess and they believe in Jesus. 
Then we saw that in chapter 12, that Paul called us to make a sacrifice, that we were to be a living sacrifice, no longer to be conformed to the world, but be transformed into the image of Christ. And we do that by renewing our mind. And as Paul worked through chapters 12, 13, 14, and the beginning of 15, he begins to show us that both Jew and Gentile are a part of one body. We're all one member and that we all are unified in the blood of Jesus Christ, that we all have, as believers, we have the Holy Spirit, which is what brings us together. And because we are all one, we all have different gifts. And we all have these different gifts, and a part of using these gifts is for the edification and building up of the body of Christ. We're to serve one another with these gifts. And as we serve one another using the gifts that God has given us, God will be glorified. And so we have seen these principles work through the book of Romans, that here's all this doctrine to build up. And it is all about, listen, there's two things. One, you can only be saved by Jesus Christ. When you are saved by Jesus Christ, the goal is to be conformed into the image of Christ. A part of being conformed into the image of Christ is loving God and loving your neighbor. And so when you serve God and you love God, you will serve others as well. And so then uh, what we came through in the last episode was looking at how the weak and the strong can be uh, come together to build each other up instead of tear each other down. And so when we come into chapter 15, in our previous episode, we went all the way to chapter 15, uh, chapter 15, verse 7. But I want to just draw us back into chapter 15 for a few minutes and then look at uh, chapter 15, uh, the rest of it, and chapter 16, <laughs> excuse me, together. Because uh, chapter 16, it's filled with greetings. Say hello to all of these folks. All right, so look at chapter 15, verse 1. Now, we who are strong ought to bear the weaknesses of those without strength, and not just please ourselves. Each of us is to please his neighbor for his good to his edification. For even Christ did not please himself, but as it is written, the reproaches of those who reproached you fell on me. For whatever was written in earlier times was written for our instruction, so that through perseverance and encouragement of the scriptures we might have hope. Now may the God who gives perseverance and encouragement grant you to be of the same mind with one another according to Christ Jesus, so that with one accord you may be with one voice glorifying God the Father and our Lord Jesus Christ. The whole purpose of this is that those who are strong in the faith are to bear the weaknesses of those who are without strength. So notice it says there, we're not to please ourselves. We're actually to, again, have love your neighbor as the focus. It's to build that one up, to, to come alongside. And really, what it means to bear the weaknesses, it means to build them up. And we can do that by teaching them uh, the Word of God. Paul uses the example of Jesus Christ. Uh, Christ did his ministry not to please himself. Uh, 
uh, he took on all that he took on for us. If it was to do everything for himself, uh, it would really lose the power of the gospel and what he's done because he became uh, selfless and hum- he came, became humble and went to the cross uh, so that we could live. Uh, Paul also tells us the importance of the scriptures and that the scriptures here, they, uh, what was written in earlier times, these things are for us. So uh, even though we live under the new covenant, we still can learn things from the old covenant. Uh, God has not changed uh, from the old to the new, and so we can still learn from these sacred writings, and they teach us how to persevere. All right, so it's so important for us to understand that the Word of God does not just teach us things, it does not just inform us on how to live, but when we study the Word of God, it also teaches us or encourages us to persevere because of the hope that we are going to have in the future. You see, if we don't have the Word of God and we're not seeing that Word of God in our lives regularly, how are we going to know and keep a focus on the hope that is to come? And so Paul, that's what he wants all these people to be, is he wants them to be of one mind, one purpose, doing all things according to Jesus Christ. As we're conformed into the image of Christ, he wants us to be like him and not focus on these external things that we looked at, these stumbling blocks that are in the way that might cause us to judge, as we talked about in the last episode. But we need to come together with one mind, one focus, and that is pushing towards the goal of becoming like Christ and keeping our eyes on heaven, the hope that is to come, waiting for the return of Jesus Christ. Verse 7, we're going to look at verses 17, 7 to 13, uh, and we're going to look at this uh, in a couple of aspects. All right, so in verses 7 to 13, we're going to look at the ministry of Jesus. All right, so uh, listen to what Paul says, uh, and it really starts after the therefore of verse 7. So verse 8, but we're going to look at the ministry of Jesus. Verse 7 says, therefore, accept one another just as Christ also accepted us to the glory. All right, get along, people. Get along. Now look at verse 8. For I say that Christ has become a servant to the circumcision on behalf of the truth of God, to confirm the promises given to the fathers, and for the Gentiles to glorify God for his mercy. As it is written, therefore I will give praise to you among the Gentiles. I will sing to your name. And he says, Rejoice, O Gentiles, with his people. And again, praise the Lord, all you Gentiles, and let all the peoples praise him. Again, Isaiah says, There shall come from the root of Jesse, and he who arrests to, arises to rule over the Gentiles, in him shall the Gentiles hope. Now may the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace in believing so that you will abound in the hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. 
what we've got here is we've got that Jesus, it tells us right in verse 8, that Christ became a servant to the Jews. He became a servant to the Jews on behalf of the truth of God. And he did that to confirm the promises that were given to the Father. So uh, the promises of the Old Testament and the promises of a coming Messiah, Jesus became the servant and became obedient on the cross. But during this time, we know that not only did he do this because he quotes, and this is the amazing thing that Paul quotes Psalms, Isaiah, and Deuteronomy to show that through the Old Testament, Gentiles were always a part of the plan. That the Gentiles were not part B or plan B, that because if the Jews rejected the Messiah, then, oh, you know what, plan B is we'll let the Gentiles have their time. No, no, they were a part of the plan from the very beginning. They were a part to be saved as well, because we see this in Psalms, Isaiah, and Deuteronomy. And so when he's talking about how we need to be one, we need to be serving together in one accord, we both serve the same God. There's only one God with one great plan, and that great plan is for the salvation of both Jew and Gentile. All right, so I want to take you to the book of Ephesians, and we're going to look at Ephesians chapter 2, verses 11 to 22. And uh, starting in verse 11 of Ephesians chapter 2, he talks about the Gentiles. He says, Therefore, remember that formerly you, the Gentiles, in the flesh, who are called the uncircumcision by the so-called circumcision, which is performed in the flesh by human hands. Remember that you were at one time separate from Christ excluded from the commonwealth of Israel and strangers to the covenants of promise, having no hope and without God in the world. Verse 13, But now, in Christ Jesus, you who formerly were far off have been brought near by the blood of Christ. For he himself, our peace, who made both groups into one, broke down the barrier of the dividing wall. By abolishing in his flesh the enmity, which is the law of the commandment contained in ordinances, so that he might make the two into one new man, thus establishing peace. So before we move on, let's just summarize that, because this is at Christ's death, burial, and resurrection. We learn that, as Romans tells us, the theme of the whole book is righteous shall live by faith. Salvation is not by works, it's by faith. And so even though under the old covenant it was about keeping the law to attain righteousness, we knew we know that nobody could have attained that. James chapter 2 verse 10 tells us that if you break one law, you break all the laws. This was unattainable for any human to keep all of the laws. And so when Christ came into the world to sacrifice himself and to uh, go to the cross uh, through his blood of the new covenant, which remember when he taught the disciples 
at the the Lord's Supper. He he raised the cup and he said, "This in this cup is the new covenant in my blood." And so in his blood we have the entrance of the new covenant which is salvation from the wrath of God by faith. And so there's only one way to salvation. And we know that from the Gospel of John, that no man can be saved unless they come through Jesus. And so here, what Paul is saying is that regardless of where there were two people groups before, the Jew and the Gentile, the Jew were a part of the promise. They were a part of the covenant. The Gentile were separated without hope, not a part of the promises that were to come, and yet now through Christ, salvation through faith, only one way to approach a holy God, and that is through the blood of Jesus Christ, and that becomes two groups become one, and thus peace is established. Verse 16 says, And he might reconcile them both in one body to God through the cross, By having put to death the enmity, he came and preached peace to you who were far away and peace to those who were near. For through him we both have our access in one spirit to the Father. So then you are no longer strangers and aliens, but you are fellow citizens with the saints and are of God's household. Having been built up on the foundation of the apostles and the prophets Christ Jesus himself, being the cornerstone, in whom the whole building being fitted together is growing into a holy temple in the Lord, in whom also you are being built together into the dwelling of God in the Spirit. It's so important what Paul is saying here is you are all to be one. You are one body. You are one group. Accept one another. Build up and bear the weaknesses of the other. And you see, you're all a part of the promises of God. And so, to become one, what was once separated now are one with one spirit that unifies both Jew and Gentile. This is so important for us to understand because this was what it means for Christ to become a servant. A Christ became a servant and he accepted all who believe in him. All right, let's look at the next part of these verses, and that is 14 to 21. So I love how Paul writes. Paul continues to write, and he's written multiple times, and we know this if we've studied Paul's letters. He always says, imitate me as I imitate Christ. We saw in chapter 10 that Paul's desire and and heart for Uh, the Jewish people was their salvation, that in chapter 9 he grieved over them so much that he wanted to step in their place and take on the wrath of God so that they would be saved. Uh, Paul has done his best. We're not saying he's perfect, but he has done his best to live the example and live as Jesus lived with a servant's heart. I mean, think about Paul's ministry and all that he's done as a servant. Think about the persecution and suffering he has taken on for the glory of God and for the furtherance of the gospel. He's wanted to be an example of Jesus and servanthood in his entire 
ministry since the day that Jesus met him on the road to Damascus. His focus has been gospel, 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 and went out to transform the world for Jesus Christ. And he shows us in verses 14 to 21, Paul and his ministry to the Gentiles. Verse 14 says, And concerning you, my brethren, I myself also am convinced that you yourselves are full of goodness, filled with all knowledge, and also to admonish one another. But I've written very boldly to you on some points so as to remind you again because of the grace that was given to me from God. I became a minister of Jesus Christ to the Gentiles, ministering as a priest of the gospel of God, so that my offering of the Gentiles may become acceptable, sanctified by the Holy Spirit. Therefore, in Christ Jesus, I found reason for boasting in things pertaining to God. For I will not presume to speak anything except Christ, What Christ has accomplished through me, resulting in the obedience of the Gentiles, but by the word and deed, in power and signs and wonders, in power of the Spirit, so that from Jerusalem and around about as far as Elysium, I have fully preached the gospel of Christ. And thus I aspired to preach the gospel, not where Christ was already named, so that I would not build on another man's foundation. But as it is written, they who had no news of him shall see, and they who have not heard shall understand. So we have here in these verses, we have Paul's example of the ministry uh, that he has been given. He wants everybody to know that his role is to be an apostle to the Gentiles. And what he wants them to know is, is that Paul, he's picturing himself here like a New Testament priest. And he's offering up his life as a sacrifice that every time he goes out and he has this ministry, uh, he has the gift of God to preach the gospel to those who will listen. And so Paul is showing us here how much of an example he is to the church. And he wants them to be like him. Imitate me as I imitate Christ. And so what Paul is doing here in these verses, he's again reminding them, listen, you need to come back to what the basics are reminded of the truths that they already know, that these are the truths of the gospel. This is the way that you live. You need to have this mindset of love God and love others, that you need to live in the faith. And we know that what's great here is that Paul's focus is only to boast in the things that God has done even though God may use him to do some miraculous things in his ministry, whether it be signs and wonders, according to verse 19, all of these things are only proof to show that Paul was set apart for the gospel, that God chose him to do the work of the gospel, and he is bragging that God has been able to use him 
and that everything he's doing is for the kingdom of God. You see, when we come to that mindset, when we're focusing only on for the glory of God and for the furtherance of the gospel, things change. Things would change not only in your life, but things would also change within your church. Think about how we battle over some of these minute things that don't carry any importance really, but they're just outward things. Think about what the Jews and the Gentiles were battling over here. Some of the weak brothers were battling over over food laws and what they could drink or what they couldn't drink. And we get focused on all of these externals that they're really not vital to the church. I love that Paul, he talks to the Jews and he says, look, if that person is doing that thing and it's right, biblically, let them do what they're doing. Don't get focused because the goal is to be conformed into the image of Christ. The goal is to further the gospel of Jesus Christ. The goal is to set our minds on the things above. And when we start to focus more on what the gospel is doing and what we can do as God uses us for the gospel, we're going to grow the church. We're going to change the things that are happening. We can't focus on the small things You know, like in our churches today, we get focused on, well, there's a set of drums up there, and I don't like the set of drums. No, focus on the gospel. Is the gospel being preached? Is the gospel going forward? Is lives being changed? Paul set himself out with the focus of all things gospel. And he was so focused on the gospel that he desired to take the gospel to places where it had never been preached before. And, you know, we come to think about, would that be something that we want to do, is be going to take the gospel where it has not gone before? And so, uh, are there places in Canada where the gospel has not gone before? I'm sure there are. I'm sure there are people that have yet to hear the gospel of Jesus Christ, and they can go, and we can take the gospel to those who needed to hear it most. Paul was willing to go wherever God sent him to go. Are we willing and open to allow God to work in our lives to show us opportunities to share the gospel of Jesus Christ? Let's look at the next section, and that comes in 22 to 33. And listen to what Paul says here. For this reason, I have often been prevented from coming to you. But now, with no further place for me in these regions, and since I've had for many years a longing to come to you, whenever I go to Spain, for I hope to see you in passing, and to be helped on my way there by you, when I first enjoyed your company for a while. But now I'm going to Jerusalem, serving the saints. For Macedonia and Achaia have been pleased to make a contribution to the poor among the saints in Jerusalem. Yes, we are pleased to do so, and they are indebted to them, for if the Gentiles have shared in their spiritual things, they are indebted to minister to them also in their material things. Therefore, when I have finished this way, I have put my seal on on this fruit of theirs, and I will go on by way of you to Spain. I know that when I come to you, I will come in the fullness of the blessings of Christ." 
Now I urge you, brethren, by our Lord Jesus Christ and by the love of the Spirit to strive together with me in your prayers to God for me, that I may be rescued from those who are disobedient in Judea and my service for Jerusalem may prove acceptable to the saints, so that I may come to you in joy by the will of God and find refreshing in your company. Now the God of peace be with you all. Amen. It's very interesting here. You've got the example of Christ who became a servant to both Jew and Gentile. In the second section, you show, you, we have the example of Paul becoming a servant to the Gentiles, his life being completely sold out for the gospel of Jesus Christ to reach the Gentiles in the places where the gospel had not been preached. And when we look at verses 23 to the end, Paul is actually calling the church now to become ministers as well. He's calling them to become ministers to the Jews. He wants them to provide for an offering to help accomplish ministry in Jerusalem. All right, and so let's look at uh, these verses. He talks about how uh, the churches uh, in Macedonia and Achaia, which those churches were built up as a part of the Thessalonican church, uh, these churches, uh, the Thessalonican church took the gospel to Macedonia and Achaia and lived out uh, the gospel ministry there among them. But they are providing uh, finances for the poor among the saints in Jerusalem. He's calling them, uh, the Romans, to also give. And he's telling us a few reasons why the church in Rome should contribute to the ministry in Jerusalem. Verses in verse 27, they were pleased to do so. They are indebted to them, for the Gentiles have shared in the spiritual things. They are indebted to minister to them also in the material things. And so Paul tells us one reason is that it is by spiritual obligation that the Gentiles, because they have received the spiritual blessings that came through the Jews, they were once set apart. They were once not a part of the body, but now they're a part of the promise that we uh, are indebted to the Jewish people and we should serve. Folks, I've got to tell you, I love Israel. I love going to Israel. I love being a part of the culture in Israel. And I, I hope to continue, Lord willing, to offer tours every year going to Jerusalem uh, until I retire, which is probably going to be 90. Who knows? We'll see. But I love being a part of the culture. I love the Jewish people. I see the zeal that they have for God. I see also that many are lost. I see many that need the gospel of Jesus Christ. And so when I go there, I, I like to communicate with the, the people that are there and talk to them and encourage them. And any opportunity I get, just share with them the gospel of Jesus. I spend a lot of time also sharing the gospel with our tour guide who, who doesn't know 
Jesus as Lord and Savior. He knows historical Jesus. And so we have this obligation to keep doing ministry as well. We should be reaching out to the Jewish people, the people who are in need of salvation, the ones who continue to pursue righteousness by the works of the law. Paul tells us another reason we should be reaching out and ministering to the Jewish, or as he calls them, the weaker ones, and building up and bearing the weaknesses of others. He says in verse 29, I know that when I come to you, I will come in the fullness of the blessings of Christ. And so we know that Paul, he had a personal love and he he grieved for them. He desired their salvation and he had a great burden for the Jews and that by the church bringing forth this offering and him collecting it all together and giving it to these people in Jerusalem, this would be an expression of love, a love offering to the people. And so, uh, again, an opportunity to bring blessings upon those who need it. Folks, we have people, we have people in this world that we could provide love offerings for, uh, these offerings to show that we love and build one another up. What a blessing it is to be able to do that for others and uh, also to be on the receiving end of that. Jessica, my wife and I, we have experienced the blessing of a love offering for the ministry that we have done. It's so encouraging for us to press on and can feel the love of others who do that uh, for you. Let's continue on and look at other reasons why uh, it's good for them to provide an offering. In verse 31, uh, it talks about, listen to what he says here, that I may be rescued from those who are in uh, disobedient in Judea, and that my service for Jerusalem may be prove acceptable to the saints. Another reason to give this offering as Gentiles is for the purpose of Christian unity. If you can remember, if you've studied the book of Acts, in Acts chapter 15, some of the Jewish believers were not happy that the Gentiles were grafted in to the covenant and the promises. And so when the church, these Gentile people, if they reach out with a love offering and provide for the needs of the people in Jerusalem, it will show the Jews that the Gentiles are striving towards unification. We're, we're all one body. We're all building each other up. And so uh, this is the way that we can continue to work to, together. We can strive together as we show love for one another. And so if you look, Paul in verse 31, what does he anticipate is coming? Trouble. He anticipates that there's difficulty going to be coming from the Jews because we know how Paul has been treated in the past. So what we see here is this really helps us to understand that these principles here, 
they're all trying to show that we've all we're no longer separated we're all one body we're all striving together to build each other up for the purposes of the glory of God and for the furtherance of the gospel all right and so uh, we have to understand that we're we're all one and you know what there's no greater I have to tell you one time we were going to Israel and we were on the airplane with uh, um, many Orthodox Jews. And some of these Orthodox Jews did not want to associate with uh, us Gentiles who were on the plane. And wouldn't you believe it that one of the participants in our 2015 tour was absolutely afraid of flying. And when we they got on the plane, uh, they had one Orthodox man on the aisle and the plane was seating 343 across and so they were on the left side of the plane one orthodox jewish man was on the window aisle seat a window a middle seat was open and then orthodox man on the aisle seat and wouldn't you know it the woman who was afraid to fly was on the middle seat in between these two orthodox jews Absolutely amazing because you know what? She was fearless when it came to talking to people, but she was so fearful when it came to flying. And what did she do? She got on the plane and she grabbed the two men's hands. Oh, no, no, that's a no, no. And she said, I need to hold your hands while I take off. And you know, it was very interesting to watch. These two men, they they most likely did not want to come together with these or the, with this Gentile woman, this unclean woman, and yet they came together for that few minutes of the takeoff and supported her and carried her along as she as they got in the air, and then she was completely fine. And you see, what an interesting picture, isn't it? That uh, to become one, we all have to become, remember that we're all a part of one body, uh, building up that there's no distinguish, distinction between Jew and Gentile in the body of Christ. And so we too need to focus on how we can build one another up, bear the weaknesses of others, and especially uh, we need to have a heart for the people of Israel. Uh, we're going to spend a lot of time in Israel, folks, and we need to, to learn to uh, not only love and respect the Jewish people because of the blessings that we have received that have come through uh, the the Jewish um, promises and covenant that God has made with them. What a privilege it is to be grafted into those promises. But we cannot forget that God has a purpose for Israel. God chose Israel from the beginning. God created the Jewish nation from, from Abraham. And so uh, these people are as much going to be our family in the future as uh, they are when they come to that salvation by faith in Jesus Christ. And we need to pray for that because many of these Jewish people, they're running with a great zeal, as Paul says in chapter 9. They're running with a zeal for God in chapter 10, sorry, running with a zeal for God without knowledge. And so we need to really, really pray that God would remove the blinders, that they would come to salvation through faith 
and we can uh, be great contributors to the furtherance of the gospel and have a heart like Paul, because Jesus, too, has a heart to see uh, the Jewish people come and return to Christ. That brings us to chapter 16. When we come to chapter 16, uh, we may look at this chapter as being, oh, that's a pretty boring chapter because there's a lot of greetings uh, to the people. And so uh, when we look at these greetings, in verses 1 to 16, we have all these greetings of people who were saints. It seems that the believers in Rome did not meet in one general building, but they were all ministers of house churches. They all had different areas of the churches. Uh, Verse 5, greet at the churches that's in their house. Uh, Verse 10, uh, greet those who are at the household of uh, Aristobulus. And verse 11, uh, greet Herodin, my kinsman, greet those at the household of Narcissus. And then verse 15, greet uh, Philogus and Julianerus and his sister and Olympus and all the saints who are with him. All of these people. Rome was a really big city, and so they all met in individual houses. Uh, in this chapter, in verse 3, we run into Priscilla and Aquila again, who were mentioned in Acts and in Corinthians and in in Second Timothy. And so all of these very important uh, people. Also, if you want to dig deeper in these greetings of the saints, there are nine women who are mentioned in these verses that play an important part in the ministry of the local church. All right, so there's a lot of people in these first 16 verses in greetings of the saints that play a great role in the church. And if you slow down and look at them all, what a blessing it is. We also saw in chapter 16 through some of our problems within the church that Paul tells us, hey, there are some people that you need to avoid. He says, now I urge you, brethren, keep your eye on those who cause dissensions and hindrances contrary to the teaching which you learned and turn away from them. For such men are slaves, not of our Lord Christ, but of their own appetites, by their own smooth and flattering speech, they deceive the hearts of the unsuspecting. For the report, uh, for they report of your obedience has reached to all, therefore I'm rejoicing over you, but I want you to be wise in what is good and innocent in what is evil. Sounds familiar, doesn't it? Uh, Paul knew uh, the dangers in the church. And he wanted to warn the church that there are uh, certain people in those churches that we need to pay attention to. And so, again, uh, these are things that we need to pay attention to. We need to be careful of those who cause dissensions. Watch them. Uh, We need to be careful of those who teach contrary to what Paul has taught in Romans chapter 1 to chapter 11. 
We need to be careful of those who have their own gain, their own personal sordid gain, as Paul says in Titus. We see it in Jude as well, certain persons who have crept in unnoticed. All of these people who are doing things for their own appetites and not for the gospel of Jesus Christ, we need to pay attention to those. And he also wants us to be careful of being wise and understanding and to know what is good and what is evil. This is where we are in the church today. This is where, I mean, way back in the book of Isaiah, when Isaiah was prophesying, he said that the people called evil good and good evil. And so we need to be wise. We need to be understanding of what really is good in the eyes of God and what is evil in the eyes of God and call it out. Uh, In the book of Corinthians, 1 Corinthians, we see that the church was tolerating sexual sin in the church. No, that's not allowed. We need to call sin, sin, and we need to call good, good. And we need to hold that standard within the body of Christ. And so when we do that and we hold and attain to the standard of the Word of God, uh, we're going to run well in our churches. Don't be deceived. Uh, Those who are calling good evil good and good evil, they're out for their own personal gain. And so we need to hold to the truth of the Word of God. Don't be deceived by smooth talkers. They know how to fool people. But be a discerning person. Know the Word of God. And look what it says in verse 20. The God of peace will soon crush Satan under your feet. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with you. Guess what? Whatever we have going on, whatever we've got going on in this world, we know that the power of the Prince of the Air continues to deceive, that continues to have power. Power, but also permission from God to do what he's doing. That nothing happens outside of the sovereignty of God, and so God even knows what Satan is doing in the world. Nothing surprises God. But Satan is having his time to reign and deceive, but we know that that will come to an end. You see, that's part of the hope that we look for, that Satan is going to be crushed as the promise in Genesis chapter 3 that Satan will be crushed, that Christ will rule on his throne. And that is the hope that we are looking for. So press on and persevere and strive for what is good. Continue to be conformed to the image of God. Don't get too worried about what's happening around you, but pursue the gospel. Take the gospel. Minister the gospel. Give offerings to those who are doing the work of the gospel. Build up the ministries and continue to give so that ministries can continue. Folks, I'll be quite honest with you. I have seen in the last number of years the number of ministries like Precept that are no longer in existence anymore 
They, they no longer exist. They've been closed down. They've been financially shut down because some of their, their donors have gone to be with the Lord and the ministry no longer functions. There have been women ministries that I know of here in Canada that no longer exist because of leadership changes, because of financial restraints, gone. And folks, we want Precept. We want Precept to continue to strive as a ministry in Canada. Why? Because the Word of God is the answer. The Word of God is where we are going to learn how to live, learn how to be conformed to Jesus, to keep finding the hope and the perseverance we need until the day that the God of peace crushes Satan and we all will stand in the presence of God. My hope and prayer is that until the return of Jesus Christ, precept strives in Canada because the Word of God continues to go forth. Even in the midst of a culture that is turning away from truth, we want to push truth forward at all costs. We want to suffer for the gospel of Jesus Christ, knowing that at every turn we're going to have opponents. We want prayer that we'll be able to battle through the war zone that Satan has put up for us, that no matter what is preached on this podcast, that no matter what is taught in a precept classroom, that leaders and students will always have an opportunity to get into the Word of God until the day that God returns and crushes Satan and he rules here forever, and that we have a new heaven and a new earth. Folks, we do not want precept and their amazing Bible studies to go away. We want the ministry to continue on until the return of Jesus Christ. As Paul closes the letter, one scholar uh, said that the final verses in verses 21 to 24 are some of the greatest servants that are worth being honored for the work that they have done for the gospel. He brings up Timothy, his fellow worker, and he says uh, he greets you, and so does Lucius and Jason and Sophiter, who are Paul's uh, kinsmen. All of these people associated with Paul in different parts of his ministry, uh, Lucius associated with Paul in the early days of the ministry of Antioch in Acts chapter 13. And so we also have uh, Paul and his ministry in the time of Thessalonica. And so all of these people uh, were great people uh, who served with Paul. And look at verse 22. Uh, Tertius, who was Paul's secretary, uh, he was the one who wrote or dictated, or Paul dictated the letter of Romans to him, and he wrote it. And so all of these great people are serving here. All right, so Paul's got all of these great people, and he's saying, wow, God used all of these people to fulfill the ministry of the gospel of Jesus Christ through Paul. What a great team of people. It's absolutely amazing that Paul takes the time to introduce all of these greats and thank all these people and greet all these people who are furthering the gospel of Jesus Christ 
in their area. The letter of Romans closes with verses 25 to 27. Now to him who is able to establish you according to my gospel and the preaching of Jesus Christ according to the revelation of the mystery which has been kept secret for long ago. What's the mystery? Jew and Gentile together through the gospel of Jesus Christ. The mystery now manifested by the scriptures and the prophets according to the commandment of the eternal God has been made known to all the nations leading to obedience of faith. To the only wise God through Jesus Christ be glory forever and ever. Amen. What an amazing book of Romans. A book that every believer needs to know. An amazing doxology to, conti- to close out the book of Romans. Folks, I hope, I hope and I pray that the podcast has been a blessing to you and I pray that you have learned from this, but not only head knowledge, but heart transformation, especially in the last chapters where we see the vital importance of serving and loving one another. The more we study God's word, the more we love God. The more we love God, the more we take on the character of God. The more we're conformed into the image of Christ. And as we conform into the image of Christ, we're compelled to reach out and love others with the gospel of Jesus Christ. Go, teach the gospel. Lord willing, you have foundational truths, not only in your mind, but on the, on the tip of your lips that you can share with others. Folks, our goal as a ministry, our goal as individuals in the body of Christ is populate heaven and plunder hell. Go forth with the gospel of Jesus Christ. Teach those, build up those who are weak because we are a part of the family of God. We want to see our nation or our nations as you listen around the world change for the glory of Jesus Christ. We want to see all those come to hear the gospel and let the word of God work in their life and bring them to salvation by faith. Live by faith and be saved by faith, folks. Let's pray together. Father, we do thank you for the time that we've had in the book of Romans. And Lord, I pray over this series, I pray that people would be compelled to take the truth of the gospel to those who need to hear it most. That we wouldn't hold on to these truths for ourselves, but maybe we even share this podcast with others. That they would be challenged to grow into your image. Help us, Lord, as we wait upon the return of your son, Jesus. Continue to help us to persevere and focus on the hope that is to come as we serve you day in and day out. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. We appreciate you in joining us in this series of Unlocking the Truth with Preset Ministries Canada. Visit our website presetministries.ca to find in-person and online studies and workshops that will further your journey in His Word and give you the tools to know God deeply and live differently.